Yes, hello out there, everyone, and welcome back to None But the Brave, a presentation of Evergreen Podcasts. I am Hal Schwartz, and as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McLean, and this is the special tour announcement edition of the show, <laughs> and we are fired up. <laughs> yes, we are. Actually, I felt like a little kid on Christmas Eve last night. I could, I had trouble sleeping, and then uh, I, I got up uh, probably around 12.30 and saw the announcement, and it's like, okay, now we're the U.S. dates, but... So it looked like uh, Santa Bruce only only visited Europe today, but well, it not say... entirely true. They gave us they gave us quite a bit. Uh, they told us the U.S. is going to start in February, and yes, we can say did. and yes, we and a lot did. of other people are hearing it starts February first in Tampa, yeah. and then yeah. it's going to run till mid-April, which they said in the press release. And he's going to go off to Europe, and then he's going to come back and do, as he said today, some summer outdoor shows. Yeah, that's it. Sounds like twenty three is going to be a hell of, hell of a year. So, uh, I'm I'm ready. <laughs> we just have what eight months to eight months to get ready and eight months to to wait before he hit he takes the stage. It is a bit bizarre, of course. In Bruce World, this is completely unprecedented for them to announce tour dates. In some cases, thirteen months early. Yeah, but it is much more routine now in the industry. And I think my read on it was and we had talked about this a couple of weeks or so ago when he was on E Street Radio. And I think he kind of botched that one. I don't know that he meant to say we would be on the road soon because that set off a lot of people (laughs) speculating that there was going to be shows in 2022, which uh, if you listen to this show, you know, we've been saying there was not going to be since uh, the initial dates were were scrapped for for this year. But it seems like they want to build some momentum. It is a very early announcement, but there's a lot of tickets to sell in Europe, a large number of dates, perhaps even more than he was going to do this year. Yes, they're going to need need the time to, to sell the tickets. And I think they want to really get the ball rolling, get the momentum, just get the momentum going. And it's it's going to be fun. And and you know, as as the the announcement said, or the graphic said, the UK dates haven't even been announced yet. So I gotta think there's going to be at least three more, four more, because I guess one in at least one in Belgium. Yes. So there are, there are some pretty big holes in that schedule, and I think they're going to get filled. The word on the US has been, and I guess they didn't want to announce the US partially that perhaps they haven't locked in all of the dates, some are locked in and some are not. I think in Europe, they, they did want to create that momentum. And as I, as I just said a moment ago, there is a lot of tickets to sell there. I mean, <laughs> he is playing some very large venues. There's no arenas in Europe. It's all stadiums or in certain cases, open fields like Circus Maximus in Rome and, and one of the other Italian dates. So he's going to be playing to these big audiences, and and I think he's going to have the joints rocking. And and with that in mind, let's talk about what he had to say on E Street Radio today. He suggested that he wanted it to be an up-tempo rock show when asked about Western stars. He did not sound very enthusiastic about playing it, but then he did say that maybe one or two of them would sneak in. It sounds like he is planning. uh, What do you think? Is this the Letter to You tour? It doesn't say that on the art. I think it will be the letter to letter to you tour. I don't know what we're gonna get if if we're gonna get anything this fall in terms of a, of a of new music, but I'm expecting a bunch of that stuff from Letter to You to get played every night, and that's what I'm hoping for. It's what I want. I want to hear I want to hear a new song. That's his job, as he 
said on that uh, in the recent Garden uh, 88 release. And interestingly, he did say to Rotolo that he has already written out at least one set list, something <laughs> he was just playing around with. Now, we actually did that as well. Of course, our thoughts on the matter are nowhere near as important as his. <laughs> but we, we did that. If anyone wants to check it out in our second season, when the record first came out, season two, episode five where we talked about at that point a mythical letter to you tour because we were in the middle of the pandemic. But thankfully, we are mostly out of the pandemic, although following Pearl Jam around the last month, not totally. And hopefully they will not run into similar problems next year. Let's let's hope not. Otherwise, they're going to have to have basically a whole backup E Street band ready to go at at a moment's notice. But it was funny. He did say, well, we, we have a set list or I came up with a set list. He came up with a set list and that, you know, he acknowledged that's where we're going to start. And th- then they're going to see see where it goes. So it'll be interesting to see if what songs get played in the first week of the tour or first two weeks of the tour. And then we never hear from again. But I hope that's not I really hope that's not the case here. I think it's just it's a obviously letter to you is a very strong album with with a lot of sweet potential for for live performances. I think the thing is the song should play in the European stadiums. As we know, some of the tours, Tunnel being a prime example, I think he determined some of the songs didn't play, and then he reversed and 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 played a lot more of the hits, especially stuff up Born in the USA. There are a number of songs on Letter to You that are going to rock a stadium. And, and, and that was what he was talking about today, that he wants to do an up-tempo rock show. I, I hope he'll stick with the new material, but let's face it, the man was on today to sell tickets, and he made it very clear that people are going to hear the songs that they've known and loved for decades. Well, I think he's done a great job over the last couple of tours in, in terms of balancing the, the fan favorites and, and the hits with more of the rare stuff, the deeper tracks that, that we want to hear. So I really have uh, full faith that he's going to do a tour that, that we're all going to, we're all really going to enjoy. Mad Magazine. Advertising mascots. B-movie posters. And cartoons. Oh yeah, can't forget cartoons. If you get the funky connection that ties these pop culture gems together, you'll dig two designers walk into a bar. See, we're a couple of creatively curious pals living between the bookends of grand museums and dive bars. Hey, you know the place. The sweet spot where highbrow and lowbrow become drinking buddies. So join our barroom chats as we talk influential work and uncover stories of how the familiar became iconic. Think behind the music for the stuff we love. Check out our website at twodesignerswalkintoabar.com. And listen wherever you get your podcasts or visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. Now, the COVID situation, we know Bruce is very tight with Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. I'm sure he's aware of what just happened, which is that first, and this was only a week into the tour, Matt Cameron, Pearl Jam's drummer, came down with COVID. They actually played three shows with replacement drummers, really sort of crazy stuff, including the third show, which I saw in Fresno, which is where they brought in 
Dave Cruson, who was the original drummer on 10 and hadn't played a show with the band in 31 years. It was one of those things you talk about making lemonade out of lemons. They really pulled off some crazy shit. And then a couple of days later, it spread to Jeff Amon, the bassist. And at that point, they said, well, we can't play without our drummer and we can't play without our bassist. That's too much. And two shows were canceled, the show in Sacramento and unfortunately the show in Vegas that I was going to last weekend. A lot of people, obviously, Vegas is a town where people travel to to see shows. And it was it was very unfortunate. And the band was very, very, very apologetic. But but this is hanging out there. And as we talked about in January, when when the tour was first scrapped, I don't know that there can be contingency plans. Someone said to me today, how do you guard against this? And I was like, luck? <laughs> Pearl Jam, they described in their press release, which anyone can read about the cancellations, they were an incredibly tight bubble. They have no idea how it got in, but it, but it did. Just let's hope that it doesn't impact the tour. I suspect that it probably will at some point if what's going on right now is still continuing next year. And the one place where I think it's really relevant for us as fans, probably there are people who listen to our show who travel, we travel. As I mentioned, I was going to Vegas. It's going to make it a lot trickier. You know, in the past, there were very, very few cancellations or postponements by Bruce. And this would be uncontrollable. But you could land somewhere and find out that half the band is in isolation and and the next week of shows are off. The only thing I I heard a long time ago was that every every musician tech, every tech guy behind the band, they need to know their players' parts so that they could actually step in and do it. And I think that actually happened with with REM way back in what the late '90s, where the drummer I'm not a REM fanatic, so I don't even know their names, but the drummer went out with a some kind of serious brain thing, and the tech came in for for a few shows. So I, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, I wonder if that could happen here or if, if it's not even worth it. I think it's very, very difficult. Now in Pearl Jam's case, they brought in Josh Klinghoffer, who's a member of the touring band on this tour and plays drums. He played drums for part of the show. I hope I don't botch this gentleman's name, Richard Stuverud, who is in Jeff Amon's side project and happens to live in Oakland where this first happened. This guy was phenomenal. And then, as I mentioned, in Fresno, Dave Cruson joined the band as well. They did not go to a tech when Jeff got sick. Clearly, they weren't going to go to his tech. I, I think with the E Street Band, if Nils is unable to play a show or Steve is unable to play a show, I think the show is going to get played because he's got many guitarists on stage and they can pick up the slack. If Max is unavailable, I don't know what they do about that. Max is very, very key to the E Street sound. That's the understatement of the year. Roy, the same thing. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. Let's hope it never happens. It does seem to be very relevant at the moment. And if it should happen, there's really not much you can do about it. None at all. They're just going to, as you said, some luck. I would urge everyone to buy refundable tickets, plane tickets and, and hotel rooms. Uh, don't don't buy anything non-refundable or or just get or get travel insurance for all, for all these trips. I don't know if travel insurance covers that. Uh, people are going to have to read the fine print, but that's not our show. 
But (laughs) this is, and people were in Vegas when the show was canceled. People had flown into Vegas for Pearl Jam. The show was canceled. Look, it's Vegas. (laughs) It's tons and tons of stuff to do there. I feel worse for people who were stuck in Sacramento. If you're a gambler, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't give a crap about being in Vegas hanging out in the casinos because I don't I don't want to oh, play. but there's so much more to do there than gambling there's shows okay. you could see other concerts you could see sure if they're not canceled for COVID Cirque du Soleil but <laughs> anyway that's that's an aside getting back to Bruce so uh, looking forward here I, it sounds like we've got a little bit of time before the U.S. leg is going to be announced and there's certain questions that we haven't had answered yet. We we don't know what the setup of the floor is going to be. We don't know how extensive they're going to use platinum tickets. Now, I, I in Europe, the, the prices are very reasonable, shockingly reasonable. If you compare his pricing in Europe this summer, well, really for next summer, but they're selling them now. If you compare his pricing now that he's selling for these shows in Europe to what the Stones are charging this summer in Europe, I was really surprised by how reasonable the pricing was. Well, that's great. That's great for us. We'll have to we'll have to see here. I'm, but I would have to think that the smaller smaller arenas. I mean, they're not. He's not playing stadiums at least in in the spring. That they're those tickets are going to be priced higher than what they are in, in Europe for for a football stadium. No, the platinum ticketing here is much more extensively used anyway than in Europe, except for maybe England might be similar, especially the shows at the O2. But if you look at the Who tour that's going on now in the States, it's incredible how much of the venue is platinum and VIP when the tickets first go on sale. Okay. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes here, because obviously Bruce did not use platinum tickets, or at least it wasn't used very widespread on in 16 or 14. Well, but, he did use them in the fall in 16, and much more than he had prior to that. Right. Well, uh, I was going to say, <laughs> they were used, it just wasn't as popular, at least among the fans, or at least they weren't selling the, the tickets that you know the people in our little in our little world would want. The, well, the thing is also the industry has changed dramatically since 2016, especially post-pandemic. It seems like a lot of the bands want to cash in and you're able to sell the tickets for these pricing. It's dynamic. So they start out high. They can be brought down if they if they need to be. And, you know, again, not to re- over-reference Pearl Jam, but this is a band that spent 30 years trying to keep ticket pricing down. And on this tour, they are using platinum ticketing in an extremely widespread fashion with some very, very high price tickets. Now, there's a, a lot of debate as to how comfortable they, they would be with that. They signed off on it, that we know. And I think there's in large part, and I, I suspect Bruce is going to find the same thing, promoters in this country, they don't want to take as much risk anymore. So, they, uh, And especially in a case like Pearl Jam, where they're pulling a lot of tickets for their fan club. The promoter saying to to the act, look, you want to get paid $2 million a night or whatever the number is, we got to have platinum tickets. And, and that's just the way it is. So it'll be very, very interesting to see coming up here what Bruce does in that regard. But my guess is that uh, people should be prepared. <laughs> prepared for uh, for much higher prices for the for platinum seats that in the spots that we all want to be in. Uh, I suspect so, yes. I mean, uh, look at Arcade Fire, a much younger act. You would not think that their fan base would be necessarily 
the ones to really embrace buying expensive platinum tickets. And when their tickets went on sale last week in the arenas, there there was heavy use of platinum ticketing. So it just seems to be the thing now. I see it. I go to a lot of shows, as you know. I see it over and over and over again. It's much rare where you don't see it. And we're just going to have to see what Bruce winds up doing here. Yeah, there are a lot of unknowns right now, at least for the American leg in terms of we don't we don't even know the dates. <laughs> we don't know what the ticket prices are going to be. We don't know what the floor configuration is going to be like. So a lot of questions have yet to be revealed. So it's just wait and see at this point. Yes. But of course, we are going to be on top of it. And we just wanted to chime in here on this initial announcement. Just looking at the European tour before we go there. And if you've never been to Europe to see Bruce, it's it's, it's a blast. Uh, it's definitely an expense it, it, in, in 2022, 2023 with the inflationary environment we're in. I'm sure it's going to be even more <laughs> expensive. But if you get the chance, summer in Europe and see the sights and and catch Bruce, there, there are some just wonderful cities to go to. I, I'm not going to be there myself, but I love Barcelona so much. I would love to see Bruce in Barcelona. I know you saw Bruce there. I did. I did. Barcelona, uh, Italy. I mean, those those are the countries uh, where the fans are just, are just, are just amazing. They're just, their enthusiasm is just over the top and it's you're there almost just watching the other people <laughs> actually it turns out how my parents are going to be finishing up a, a guided tour of portugal and spain on april 28th oh nice of next year and they're they're considering going they said if you funny if you can get us tickets uh we might we might go so well, they, should, they should check it out it, I, it, I, to, I told them it's you know it's it's different and it's going to be it's, they would have a blast Oh, they they totally will. I, you know, I've been lucky to do it a couple of times. The 2012 trip where I saw the amazing power shows is one of the best trips I've ever taken. Well, it's, it's a very good excuse to, to, to cross the pond, see Bruce and see some some beautiful cities that you either haven't seen or haven't seen in a long time. So with that, we're going to be back. We're going to finish our discussion of the Devils and Dust tour. And then we're probably going to take a break for the summer We'll continue to cover the archives. And then in the fall, when we come back, hopefully there'll be a release for us to talk about. And then before we know it, we'll all be standing there and watching Bruce count down into that first song. And I know I speak for me. I speak for Flynn. I speak for everyone listening. That's that's going to be a great moment. It's going to be an amazing moment. It's going to be a once in a lifetime moment, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, after what we've been through. so Exactly. Exactly. So with that, let me wrap it up. None But The Brave is a presentation of Bull Market Entertainment. You can find us on the web at nonebutthebravepodcast.com. On Twitter, we're at NBTB Podcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you further up the road. Actually, on the road this time. Can't wait. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian McKay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.